0: Good morning, church. If you guys please uh, open up to Mark chapter 13 or check it out on the screens. All right. Then, as he went out to the temple, one of his disciples said to him, Teacher, what matter of stones and what buildings are here? And Jesus answered and said to him, Do you see these great buildings? Not one stone shall be left upon another that shall not be thrown down. Now, as he sat on the Mount of Olives opposite the temple, Peter, James, John, and Andrew asked him privately, Tell us, when will these things be? And what will be the signs when all these things will be fulfilled? And Jesus answered them, began to say, Take heed that no one deceive you. For many will come in my name, saying, I am he, and will deceive many. But when you hear of wars and rumors of wars, do not be troubled, for such things must happen, but the end is not yet. For all nations will rise against nation and kingdom against kingdom and there will be earthquakes in various places and there will be famines and troubles these are the beginning of sorrows but watch out for yourselves for they will deliver you up to councils and you will be beaten in the synagogues you will be brought before rulers and kings for my sake for a testimony to them and the gospel must first be preached to all the nations but when they arrest you and deliver you up Do not worry beforehand, or premeditate what you will speak. But whatever is given you in that hour, speak that, for it is not you who speaks, but the Holy Spirit. Now brother will betray brother to death, and a father his children. And children will rise up against parents and cause them to be put to death. And you will be hated by all for my name's sake. But he who endures to the end shall be saved. So when you see the abomination of desolation spoken of by Daniel the prophet, stand where it ought not. Then let those who are in Judah flee to the mountains. Let him who is on the housetop not go down into the house, nor enter to take anything out of his house. And and let him who is in the field not go back to his clothes, But woe to those who are pregnant and to those who are nursing babies in those days. And pray that your flight may not be winter. For in those days there will be tribulations such as not been since the beginning of the creation, which God created until the time nor ever shall be. And unless the Lord had shortened those days, no flesh would be saved. But for the elect's sake whom he chose, he shortened the days. Then, if anyone say to you, look, here is the Christ, or look, he is there, do not believe it. For false Christs and false prophets will rise and show signs of, and wonders to deceive, if possible, even the elect. But take heed, see, I have told you all things beforehand. Let us pray. Dear Heavenly Father, Lord Jesus, I thank you for this day, Lord. I thank you for uh, bringing us all here together, Lord, and to share in your word. I pray that you uh, anoint Jackie again this morning, Lord, and uh, deliver his message so all these ears will hear. Lord, I pray you open up the minds and the hearts of all of us, Lord God, and just be with all of us that are broken, Lord God. Help us to... uh, just be with you. Help us to resist the temptations of this world, Lord God, and I just pray that you uh, give us a heart of repentance, Lord God. Show us your ways, Lord. Help lead us down your path of righteousness, Lord God, and I just thank you for all these people that are here, Lord God, and uh, in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.
1: Probably for the next, uh, oh, I don't know. We'll see. I'm thinking three weeks, but it might be longer. Um, gosh, some of you guys are still around. Remember me preaching on one word. So there's a lot of words in this chapter. But what we're going to do is a, a series on what is called the All of it Discourse. And what I'm, gonna, what I'm going to try to do for us, especially in light of a lot of the things that are going on, is kind of tie it together with uh, things that are happening, you know, around us. But I also want to, to challenge us because we have this thing, you know, where we'll come to the Word of God and we come to it with our traditions, our preconceived ideas or presuppositions. And we read the scripture in light of that. And then we see what we want to see. According to what we 're already thinking about when we look into it, you guys know what i 'm saying. Sometimes we have our minds made up already i want to I just want to encourage you to let the Word of God tell you what it 's saying. Let the Word of God say what it 's trying to say let the, let it just lay it out for us and and usually, for the most part, when we come to the Word of God, if we'll allow the Word of God to to tell us and dictate what 's going on uh, we 'll find ourselves not. Falling into errors, variety of of different kinds, and so hopefully I'm going to challenge us. I'm challenge myself because I have uh, been through the all of the discourse. Uh, I don't even know how many times, and uh, I think that um, that God is is uh, what what is that? I said I was never going to say it, but maybe I said where's Kathy at? I can get away with it if she's not in here. I think I got some. Uh, uh, how did it go? New tools in my holster? Something like that. I don't know. Anyways, how, did, how was it? New something? New tools in my tool belt? Oh, I butchered that. Okay, well anyways, I think there's some stuff there that we can see if we have eyes to see, right? In John chapter 14, Jesus said, Let not your hearts be troubled. Do you believe in God? Believe also in me. Then he said, In my Father's house... There are many mansions or many apartments, many places to live. He says, and I go. And if I go to prepare a place for you, what's he promised? I will come again. So that where I am, what? There you will be also. So we have the promise that Jesus Christ has prepared a place for us. Every Bible-believing church agrees with that. That's about where it stops, so <laughs> how that works, how that happens, when that happens, if that happens that's the parts everybody uh kind of bangs their heads over and so our our challenge is to hold on to the truth of what god's word says look here's what God's word says, not hard to understand, right He said he's preparing a place for us, so we got a home right, and he, one day he's going to take us home okay so So that's how we want to allow God's Word to guide us and lead us. And that's how we want to try to read it. Just what He's telling us. I got a home. I got a home. When I look in the book of Revelation, I discovered that on the pages of Revelation, the Scripture lays out for us that roughly the new Jerusalem that comes down out of heaven, prepared as a bride adorned for her husband, which is a place where the believers live, is roughly the size of the moon. It's a big place, right? I've never been to the moon. Anybody ever been? But it looks big from here. The difference between the new Jerusalem and the moon is the scripture tells us we don't just live on the outside. We live wherever. Through it. It's a city built on 12 foundations. 12 different gates. You guys heard it, right? Every one of the gates is made out of one pearl that's where we get the idea of pearly gates so roughly when we look at the size and how much space there is God made the new Jerusalem big enough to hold every man woman and child who has ever lived that doesn't mean every man woman and child who has ever lived will be there it just means he made it big enough right there's space for anybody you don't have to go you can go wherever you want but he made it big enough. He prepared a place for us. When we come to this particular point, it's interesting because all three of the Synoptic Gospels are going to talk about it. They're all going to say that they're walking by the temple. And as they're walking by the temple, they look over at the temple. And the temple was a beautiful structure. And still yet, at that, that temple that they're looking at is not as beautiful as Solomon's temple. Solomon's temple is was so amazing that people wept when they built the new one. The old men who were young children when the when the temple was destroyed, they wept when they built the new one. So, but this new temple that they that they had, Herod came through and he redid it, and it was uh, it was pretty amazing. If you ever get a chance, hopefully you'll come with us when we go to Israel. But you get a chance to see a lot of the things that Herod the Great built, and he built some pretty amazing structures that you can look at. We have to imagine, because there's no temple there today, right? Because what Jesus said in the scripture happened. But what, what happens is the disciples look at it, and I think some of what's going on in the hearts of the disciples is they're thinking, okay, we have Messiah, we have Jesus, we know he's here, and it's time. Let's get this thing cracking. So, you know, he's supposed to, according to Zechariah, he's going to put his feet down on the Mount of Olives, and the Mount of Olives is going to split, and with zeal he's going to come into the Lord's house, and it's time. Set up that kingdom, Lord. Right? Isn't that how the disciples thought about things? They, they didn't. Understand Psalm 22 and, and Isaiah 53 and Isaiah 54 and other scriptures that laid out for us that the Messiah was coming as a suffering servant to, to purge sin from mankind. They didn't recognize what Daniel talked about in Daniel chapter 9. So they saw the, the kingly parts and the good parts, but they, they didn't see this particular part. Now, let me ask you a question. Is your sight better than theirs? And if it is, are you sure? Because we have a tendency to see what? Oh, we Just like them, we see the good parts, the mighty parts, the powerful parts, the exciting parts. What part are we missing? What part are we blind to? That's what we have to ask ourselves when we go to the Word. And just to allow the Word simply to teach us, right? It's not complicated. We make it complicated. It's not complicated. We just got to come and allow it to do its thing. So I think the disciples are thinking... They look at Jesus and they go, hey, have you ever seen something so cool as that temple? They're pointing at it like, man, aren't you sure you want to go put your throne there and let's take over? Let's get this show on the road. And so the scripture tells us in, in Mark 13, verse 1, it says, Then as they, as they went out of the temple, one of the disciples said to him, Teacher, see what manner of stones and what buildings are here. Look at this amazing thing that's built. And Jesus answered and said to him, Do you see these great buildings? Not one stone shall be left upon another that shall not be thrown down. Now as he sat on the Mount of Olives opposite the temple, Peter, James, and J- Peter, James, John, and Andrew asked him privately, Tell us, when will these things be? What will be the sign when all these things will be fulfilled? So I just want you to to see what's going on. Jesus, they're walking out the temple, passing by, they say, Look how this is this is an amazing building. Jesus looks at it and says, Well, I tell you the truth, it's all going away. All of it. Not even one stone gonna be left on another. You, today, when you go, you go to something called the Western Wall. And people always ask, Well, the Western Wall, is that part of the temple? Well, yes and no. When you take a mountain, okay, you guys picture the peak of a mountain. And you want to make the mountain flat. What you do is you cut off the top and you build up walls on the side and you fill. Right? You put in fill and all that fill and you, and you grade it out and now you have a flat piece on top of a mountain. So the western wall is the foundation stones way down here at the bottom that they used to make the building flat. But it wasn't actually part of the building that was where the temple was. It's just the foundation. It's just the found. It's like somebody dug up the footing. And now that's where people gather to pray. At the footing that used to one day, or was at one time, the, the foundation for the temple. So he looks at it and he says, it's all going away. The whole thing. And then he says, he just walks on. Now, When you go, you'll see, when we stand on the Temple Mount in in Israel, it's not a long walk to the Mount of Olives. It's a short walk. So you walk down into the Kidron Valley, okay, which is, um, gosh, I don't have a good way to, it's just walking down in a gully. It's not all that far. You walk down in it, maybe the whole walk is a mile. Maybe. Maybe. So you walk down into Kidron Valley and up the other side. And that mountain on the other side is the Mount of Olives. And you get up to the top of the Mount of Olives where all the olives are, gardens are. Where Jesus had a particular gardens he liked to hang out in. Right? We know of one of them. What was the name of one of them? Gethsemane, right? Gethsemane. He would go to Gethsemane and he liked to pray there, right? Gather together with his disciples. So when you go on the Mount of Olives, you can still sit in, in groves of olive trees today. And look across and see the Temple Mount. And see the the where the temple was was built, and where the where the eastern gate is, and all that stuff is right there. And so he's sitting there under an olive tree. Maybe he's back up against an olive tree, and uh, four of his disciples come over to him, and they say, "Okay, uh, back there, you said this is all going away. When is that happening? How is that happening? What what is going to be the sign?" How will we know this is about to take place? And really, they ask uh, three questions. You can see two of them real clearly here in, uh, in Mark. Look what they say. It says they, they asked him, tell us, when will these things be? Now, what are they talking about when they say that? When will these things be? The destruction of the temple. Man, that's uh, mind-blowing for them. That was the center of their world. So the destruction of the temple, they want to know. And what will be the sign when all these things will be fulfilled? Now I think the disciples recognize that Jesus is talking about more than just the temple. And He is. But a lot of times when we come to this section of Scripture, we we start wanting to run off and do crazy things. And before we run off and do crazy things, we should just let the Word say what the Word's trying to say. What, what God is trying to tell us about the first, what? The destruction of the temple, right? When is the destruction of the temple going to take place? And so, we begin with the signs. The signs of the times. Uh, sometimes they, people call it the signs of the end. Or or, or how all these things are going to come together. What's it going to look like? And the first thing that he starts with in, in verse 5 is, is misleading signs. You ever experienced any of those? You ever experienced signs that people said were signs that turned out not to be signs? It's kind of crazy how that works, huh? Remember I told you it's not hard to understand. But we want to be careful adding things and taking things away, right? We just want to, what's what's God saying? What's God laying out? How did the disciples understand the things Jesus is, is talking about? Well, let's look. Jesus answered and said to them, Take heed, no one deceive you. For many will come in my name, saying, I am he, and will deceive many. So I want you to just consider, how is the deception going to take place? When the deception takes place? Is it just going to affect a few people? So he says, many are going to be deceived, right? And, and is there just going to be a little bit of deception? One person here, and one person there? Or, or are we talking about a lot of deception going on? So he says many both ways, right? He says many people are going to come, and, there's going to, and they're going to deceive many. In verse 21 through 23, just look at it. It says, there, Then if anyone says to you, look, here is the Christ, or look, he is there, do not believe it. For false Christs and false prophets will rise, and they show signs and wonders to deceive, if possible, even the elect but take heed. See, I have told you all things beforehand. So Jesus is saying, look, I'm telling you, there's widespread deception going to take place. Widespread deception is going to happen. It's going to happen in the disciples' time. I think it's going to happen in our time. It's still the biggest warning that Jesus gave and that we see from Paul and that we see from Peter and that we see from Jude uh, throughout the New Testament over and over again. The same kind of a concept. Watch out for false teachers, watch out for false Christ. Look, a lot of times we struggle over concepts about whether or not something really matters. Let me, let, let's take a look like this. Let's say, I told you guys, hey, I want to tell you about my buddy Chris. My buddy Chris is like, he's six foot eight, weighs 600 pounds. He's yoked, super big. Man, he could squash anybody, anywhere, anytime. This guy is, you just cannot imagine how humongous this guy is. But let's say that you actually meet Chris. And you find out that Chris is 6'2", and he weighs 180 pounds. And there's really not all that much amazing stuff about him. Are you going to assume that we're talking about the same person? What if a policeman came and a, and a guy had robbed me? And I said, man, this guy robbed me, beat me up as a humongous, bald, white guy. Tattoos all over him. Everywhere, tattoos all over the place. And, and he, he's the guy who robbed me. But what if in reality the guy who robbed me was, uh, had long hair and no tattoos? Are the police going to find the right guy? And why do we do that with Jesus? Why do we describe Jesus as radically different things? Why do we say Scripture teaches us that Jesus is God in the flesh? According to John chapter 8, Jesus said, Unless you believe that I am, you will die in your sin. Before Abraham was born, Jesus said, I already existed. He was eternal. In John 1.1 it says, In the beginning was the Word, the Word was with God, and the Word was God. The Word was God. It says, in the beginning was the Word. That that phrase, in the beginning, means way back before there was any beginning, Jesus already was. And then it says, the Word was with God. That means that Jesus and God were face to face. Okay? Not one. Face to face, looking at each other. The Word was with God. And then, the next phrase... Uh, some, of our, some of our neighbors like to tell us because there's no definite article there you have to put the indefinite article there but in reality in the Greek when there's no definite article you're speaking about a matter of character and uh, uh, type so what he's talking about is he is in character in totality God he's made up of God the building blocks of the word is God but what if I tell you Jesus is Archangel Michael? Is that the same Jesus? What if I tell you Jesus is a created being? And, and, and you know, he, is, he has been exalted, but he was not always. Is it the same person? What's the point? Jesus said to his disciples, Don't be deceived. People are going to come with a lot of different Christs. Some are going to come and say, I am Christ. We've seen that, haven't we? Yep, they got special rooms for those guys. We've seen issues where people have all kinds of of plans or ideals. But listen, what Jesus, Jesus' biggest warning to us was watch out for false Christ. Watch out for false teaching. Watch out for false doctrine. But listen to what the scripture says. 2 Timothy chapter 4. Beginning at verse 3, it says, For the time will come when they will not endure sound doctrine, but according to their own desires, because they have itching ears, they will heap up for themselves teachers, and they will turn their ears away from the truth, and be turned aside to fables. But you be watchful in all things, endure affliction, and do the work of an evangelist, fulfilling. Your ministry it says the time will come. when People aren't going to want to know what the word of God says. They don't care about what it says. In fact, there are some churches, some places you don't even need it. You don't need the Bible. You don't need to spend any time in the Bible. Just you just do your thing. But the, the word of God says there is a day when people, because they're not grounded in the word of God, are going to fly off after fables. Crazy ideas. They're going to go off sideways. Why? Because they didn't stay grounded in the plain teaching of what God's Word says. It's not complicated. Jesus told us that that was going to happen. So we should expect that there would be things like this. Here's what happens so often, guys. What happens so often is people have a, a desire. And that desire in their life really is their God. And as they hold on to that desire, they begin to look around at worldviews and world systems and systems of worship. And they look for one that will allow them to have their desire. This is what I want. Which one of you guys is going to give this to me? There it is. And they go that way. Because of their desires, they get itchy ears. They want to hear what they want to hear. They don't want to hear the truth. They want to hear... What makes them feel good. What encourages them. What tells them that that the choices they make are going to be okay. But listen to what God said. There was a similar time in Israel's history where Israel was going through the same thing. And in the book of Amos, it's in the Old Testament, Amos chapter 8, verse 11. Here's what God says. He says, Behold, the days are coming, says the Lord God, and I will send a famine on the whole land. Not a famine of bread. Nor a thirst for water, but of hearing the word of God. God says the famine that will come is a famine for the word. Paul said the same thing in Timothy, when he was writing to Timothy. He said, look, the day is going to come, they're not going to want to hear it. They don't want to hear what the Word of God says. They don't want to hear what the Word of God teaches. And they, we start to pile up for ourselves teachers. And we start reading books. And those books may be great books and very entertaining. But, but if it's not the Word, you know, you know, anybody can make an assertion, right? A truth claim. Anybody can tell you anything. 88 reasons why Jesus is going to come back in 1988. I don't know if you can find that book, but it was written. And I think the next year, it was 89 reasons he's going to come back in 89. Now what's the plain teaching of God's word say? Nobody. Who knows when? Nobody. Nobody. But why in the world do people flock behind crazy people who say, I know when? But that's a dead giveaway. Man, you, yeah. Woo. I don't know. What was that guy's name? Harold Camping? He has since passed, but it wasn't that long ago, a year, two years, five years, I don't know. Sometime back, he got billboards all over the place saying, the, the Lord's returning this year. And there were people who, who believed him, sent him a bunch of money and, and all this stuff. And, you know, here we are several years later. And what it does, is it just puts another black mark on the church because everybody thinks that guy's for real. Instead of believing the truth. What God's saying, Amos, I'm going to send a famine of the word. Look, we may never read it. You may not ever look at it, pick it up, and go through it. But one day, you and I, we're going to stand before God. And that whole bit about, you know, I just never read it, is not going to fly. It was there. It was available. You didn't want it, that's okay. Okay. But you're responsible for it. It was laying on the table. It was in the nightstand. It was at Walmart every time you went to Walmart. It's around. We need to be willing to open it up and take a look at it. So we say, okay, well, I don't know, Jack. I hear all this false teaching and you're talking about all these things. Like like these people are wrong or these people are wrong. Who's right? Well, the Bible's right. Bible's always right. What the Bible says. And the Bible tells us how to tell. How do we tell whether or not something is true or false? Well, we take it to the Word of God. So, way back in the Old Testament, in Deuteronomy chapter 13, God began telling His people when He gave them the law, here's how you can know. Here's how you can know whether or not this is legit. If something's for real. Here's how you can know. Deuteronomy chapter 13, verse 1. If there arises among you a prophet or a dreamer of dreams... And he gives you a sign or a wonder. <clears throat> and the sign or the wonder comes to pass, of which he spoke to you, saying, Let us go after, what's it say, other gods, which you have not known. Let us serve them. Then you will not listen to the words of a prophet's mouth or of that dreamer of dreams. What's he saying? He said, okay, if you have a dreamer of dreams, or prophet, a guy comes to you, and he says, I had a dream, I had a vision, he works a sign, he does a wonder, and he tells you, let's go worship a different God that you've never known. God said, no. Get away from him. He's not mine. He's not from me. I did not send him. That's the whole purpose of Deuteronomy chapter 13. Which, by the way, was written to us a long time ago. Listen to what it says. It says, the Lord your God is testing you. To know whether you love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul. You shall walk after the Lord your God and fear Him. And keep His commandments and obey His voice. You shall serve Him and hold fast to Him. God's word lays out words. There's more... There's more attestation for the Word of God than any book anywhere in any library around the world. There's more textual evidence. There's more copies. There's more stuff. There's, every day they find something else that the Bible talked about. And we go, wow, look at that. The Bible talked about it, and there it is. Right where the Bible said You have oil barons today who's on third, fourth, fifth generation having more money than they're ever going to spend because they looked at the Bible and the Bible said there's asphalt pits there and they went and drilled and you know what they found? Oil. There's so much evidence for the truth of God's word, but that evidence only does us any good if we believe. If you don't believe, it won't matter to you anyway. Remember, if you're holding on to a desire and you want something else, you don't want God, and none of that matters. None of that stuff matters. The Bible says, listen to God. What God says is true. What God says is real. What God says is something we can can hang our hat on, we can hold on to. We can know beyond a shadow of a doubt. So he says, if anybody else comes and tries to direct you to any other God, get away from them. In Deuteronomy chapter 18, he gives us some more information. How to know the true from the false. How do we know the true from the false? Okay, anybody that takes me to a God that's not here on the page of the scripture. Somebody that, that is not the God that we can read about. The God who created the heavens and the earth. The God who called the nation of Israel. The God that the scriptures talk about. Well, what does it say in Deuteronomy 18? Deuteronomy 18, here's what God says. I will raise up for them a prophet. Like you, from among their brethren, and I will put my words in his mouth, and he will speak them to all that I command him. This is a a, a prophecy of Jesus. This is God talking to Moses. Moses says, the people need to have somebody who can tell them what God's saying. And God says, I'm going to send him a prophet. I'm going to send him the word of God. And he's going to say all the words that I give him to say. I will put my words in his mouth and he'll speak it. And it shall be that whoever will not hear my words. Did you hear what it said? Whoever will not hear. Not whoever does not hear, no such thing. Whoever will not. They turn a a deaf ear to what's being spoken. Which he speaks in my name, I will require it of him. But the prophet who presumes to speak a word in my name, which I have not commanded him to speak, or who speaks in the name of other gods, that prophet shall die. So the prophet, this is why you're going to have a hard time ever hearing me say, Thus saith the Lord. Did you guys just hear what that said? The guy who says he speaks for me and says something I didn't tell him to say, that guy needs to go. So I'd rather not be that guy. You want to hear from the Lord, you talk to him. He can talk to you. You don't. I got enough of my own problems without adding that to it. <laughs> I don't want to just guess or say this is what the Lord's saying. I want to just say, here's what the Word of God says. That'll always be true, right? Yes. So the guy who speaks presumptuously is not from God. And if you say in your heart, "How shall we know that the word which the Lord has not spoken?" Here's how you can know. When the prophet speaks in the name of the Lord and the thing does not happen, then that thing, uh, which is is the thing that which the Lord has not spoken, and that prophet is not his. So, if a prophet says something and it doesn't come to pass, do you really want to bet your life, your children's life, your grandkids' life on following him? Really? I don't understand that. Something is either true or is not true. And if it's not true, we should stay away from it. And if it is true, we should stand in it. We want to stand... On that which we can know beyond a shadow of a doubt. This is true. It's why when, when he begins looking ahead at end times. Before he ever starts talking about the destruction of the temple. And what's going to happen. The first thing he says is don't let anyone deceive you. There's a lot of false Christs are going to come. A lot of pretend Jesuses, A lot of people are going to come with their concept of, of what is true. Uh, how, do we, how do we battle against something that sounds good? How do we know whether or not it lines up with God's word? Well, we've got to spend time in it. You got to know it. Kathy used to work at Bank of America ten thousand years ago. She, yes, she's that old. I'm older, so that makes me like ten thousand and two. Uh, and anyways, when they would, when they would. Part of their training was just dealing with money all day. Right? Part of the way to find a counterfeit, not the only way, but part of the way, was to be so used to handling the real stuff that something didn't feel right about the fake. You get what I'm saying? If we're spending time in God's word, and we're allowing God's word to be poured into us, and we're taking God's word into us, we hear something, it's just something don't seem right with that that just doesn't quite match up with with what I know about God's word that's what he gave us for our foundation of truth that's right there and no it is impossible to twist it to whatever you want it to say it's not possible to do that unless you are just gullible right if I wrote you a letter you're not going to turn to the third page of the letter and read one sentence there. And then go back to the first page of the letter and read another sentence there. And then go back to the last page of the letter and read a sentence there. Is that how you're going to read the letter? How you read the letter? Oh, crazy. What a crazy concept. Those things are called context. We stay in context. What's going on? And you can't be... Deceived, You can't be swayed. Listen to what Paul wrote in Galatians. Galatians chapter 1 verse 6. says, I marvel that you are turning away so soon from him who called you in the grace of Christ to a different gospel. So already, we're first century. Paul, right? You guys with me? Jesus, he died. The disciples run around for a little while. Then Paul comes on the scene. So he's early and already there was a problem with deception right already he says you guys are following a different gospel which is not another it's not another that word another this is important that word is not another of the same kind it's another of a different kind he's saying it's not the same kind It's not just the same thing see sometimes we do that today we make truth so relative that we say well you know that's your truth this is my truth everybody can have their own truth yeah, I, when I went to school, it didn't work like that. If, I, I, if it was true or false and I got it wrong, they didn't say, well, Jackie, it's okay because that's your truth. So, so you get a pass. Yeah, no. Where Does that work in real life? You go to your boss and say, no, boss, my truth is I should be getting paid more than I'm getting paid. <laughs> and your boss says, well, you know what, that's your truth. Well, let's go ahead and let you have your truth. Does that work in the real world? Yeah. Oh, it's funny. Because all over the place, they're trying to sell that to me. Yeah, it wasn't that long ago. I don't know. A few months ago, there was an MMA fight. You guys know what MMA is? Mixed martial arts. Um, I know. I won't get into it. But anyways, I, uh, I won't even tell you. I'll just, okay, just tell the story. Just tell the story. Okay. So So there's this mixed martial arts fight. But in a woman's division between a transsexual male and a female the female lost by the way which is not shocking because your truth doesn't change the reality her orbital bone was shattered you know what your orbital bone is that's where your eye goes Uh, I think she made it like a minute, some odd seconds in the first round. Now here's what the word will tell you. Well, he says he's a woman. Well, la dee stinking Last I checked, if I take your blood, DNA is going to say, man, am I lying? I don't care where you go for what surgery you can do what you can mutilate your body any way you want to but if i pull your dna you know what you are what you were born as that's just the reality there's no such thing as your truth my truth there's truth that's it truth and lie truth and false that's all there is i I don't know where we got the idea that we can mess with all that stuff but we can't it didn't change who you are. You may not like who you are. You may struggle with who you are. You may have all those problems. I'm not, I'm not saying none of those are real. I'm saying those are all real problems. And they all have real solutions. But lying about everything doesn't make it better. That's right. it doesn't change it. Doesn't change anything. Right? right? The Arguably the best athlete on the face of the earth changed his name to a woman's name but didn't make him a woman he went and seen doctors and they did their magic but it doesn't make him a woman inside still bruce (laughs) outside Outside, I'm, I'm not altogether sure. But <laughs> but listen, the, the point is, there is only truth and false. That's it. That's all there is. So here's what he says. You're turning away to a different gospel. It's not another. It's not just the same thing. It's not just the same truth in a different rap. It's not that God goes by 57 different names. No, he don't. He goes by one name. Yahweh. Hey, God's, the reason why everybody argues over God's name is it's made up of four consonants. Y-H-W-H. You say it however you want to. Knock yourself out. But that's God's name. I don't have to wonder where it is. It's in my Bible, capital L-O-R-D. Every time it says capital L-O-R-D, I don't have to, have to wonder whether or not that's God. I know that's God. It's His name. His name. Yahweh. Almighty God, there is one. Not another, not a different name, not a strange name, not a different kind, not a, well, let's add this and let's add that and let's do this or the other. No. One truth. He says, don't be pulled away to another gospel, which is not another. But there are some who trouble you who want to pervert the gospel of Christ. Is that true? Are there people who want to pervert the gospel of Christ, who want to take the gospel of Christ and mix it up? Or use it for something else? And so he says, "Men, there are people who want to do that. They want to preach a different gospel. Listen to verse 8. Galatians 1 verse 8. But even if we, that's Paul, or Barnabas, Silas, Timothy. Even if we, or an angel from heaven, preach any other gospel to you than what we have already preached, let him be accursed. That word accursed means damned. So... If there's any other gospel, it's not the true gospel. That was written a long time ago. So that we would know. That's why Jesus said, be careful, they're going to come, they're going to twist it, they're going to jack it up, they're going to mess it up. And I'm not trying to be insensitive, or, or I'm certainly not trying to put anybody down, but because I care, I want people to know the truth. I want people to know, if, 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 if a road you're on leads to death, don't you think we should tell them? Don't you think we should tell a brother who's, who's caught up uh, and he can't get off of drugs or alcohol, you don't think we should tell the brother that the road he's on is going to lead him to death and destruction? Is it more loving just to let him do what he wants? Okay, well, let's back it up. Make it your kid. Well, now let's make it your kid who's 10 years old. You going to tell him? Or are you just going to tell him, just do whatever you want, man? <laughs> Love... Listen, love will tell the truth. Love will tell the truth. That's why Jesus said, look, don't be deceived. A lot of people are going to try to get you off track. Don't be deceived. If an angel comes and tells you, if other people come and tell you, if it's a different gospel, if it's a different God, if it's a different Jesus, then it's not the God of the Bible. Look, if you want to pitch the Bible, be my guest. You can pitch the Bible and worship any God you want. But he said, if you're wondering whether or not this God is the true God, or if this prophet is for me, or if this gospel is for me, then he said, line up with my word. It'll be where my word came from. In 2 Corinthians chapter 11, verse 12, he said, Paul says, but what do I do? I will also continue to do, that I may cut off the opportunity... From those who desire an opportunity to be regarded just as we are in the things of which they boast. What's he talking about? False apostles. Listen. For such are false apostles. Deceitful workers. Transforming themselves into apostles of Christ. Just because somebody wears a suit and a tie. And he stands up and says something about himself that doesn't make it true. He says, For such are false apostles, deceitful workers, transforming themselves into apostles of Christ. And no wonder, for Satan himself transforms himself into an angel of what? Look, you think the devil's going to come to you like one of them demons crawling out of the pit, covered with slime, looking like he came off a, uh, uh, what's that show? The Walking Dead. That's not how he looks. He's not going to come up to you with his pitchfork and his forked tail and his little horn sticking out of his head, which he doesn't have any of that anyway. But he's not going to come to you like that. He's not going to come to you obvious. What's he going to come to you? He's going to come to you clothed in what looks like the truth. How do I know if what he's saying is true? Well, that's what this is for. That's what this is for. Jesus. Messiah walking on earth. He's just had his baptism. The heavens opened up. The Spirit of God descended upon him like a dove. And a voice from heaven said, This is my beloved Son in whom I am well pleased. And what happened immediately after that? He goes into the wilderness. He begins fasting. He fasts for 40 days. At Close to the end of the 40 days, the devil comes to him. Right? Are you hungry? Turn them stones into bread. How did Jesus do battle with the devil? He quotes the Bible to him. A man does not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. He quotes the word. Next thing the devil does is misquote the word to him. Next thing the devil says, well, doesn't the Bible say that that here he takes him to the, the pinnacle of the temple, says jump off, God will save you. Because doesn't the Bible say right here, he won't even let you stub your toe. So he misquotes the Bible. Is that something new? Is that, that's, don't you see, that's why Jesus warned us. He warned us. You and I, we are responsible for what we do with the word. You can trust me, but I wouldn't suggest you do. And the Bible doesn't teach you to. The Bible teaches you to test everything that I say with the Word of God and see that it lines up. And if it don't, then I need to go. What lines up with the Word of God? So Jesus responded to him with the Word. You shall not put the Lord your God to the test. Then the devil showed him all the kingdoms of the world and said, look, I'll give you all this. All you got to do is bow down and worship me. And Jesus answered in the Word. It is written, you shall worship the Lord your God and him only shall you serve. He responded with the word. It's the word of God that helps us understand true from false. If the devil comes to us dressed up like an angel of light trying to lead us astray, how do we answer it? We go to the word. We go to the word of God. We go to the word of God. And it's in the word of God where we find that. Therefore it's no great thing, he says in 2 Corinthians 11 uh, verse 15, Therefore it's no great thing if his ministers also transform themselves into ministers of righteousness, whose end will be according to their works. So they look good, they look great on the outside, but the first thing, guys, as we, as we begin taking a look at this prophetic thing, there's a lot of interest in prophecy, a lot of websites that deal with prophecy, a lot of people talk about all the different views, of, and we're going to talk about it all. We're going to sit down and break down the millennial views, what it means to be all millennial or post-millennial or pre-millennial. And if you're pre-millennial, as a pre-trib or mid-trib or post-trib or pan-trib, which means it's just all going to pan out in the end. Whatever, <clears throat> whatever eschatological views you might have, we're going to talk about it all. Because, because listen, please hear me. Truth matters. Don't it? So we don't got to be afraid of the truth. And truth is what the word teaches. And a lot of times we'll say, you know, everybody argues about that. I just don't, I'm not sure I want to know. Well, you might not. Sometimes I have heard I can be lame. Somebody told me I was lame the other day. I won't say who he was. But his first initial was Jason. <laughs> <laughs> so I'm. A, yeah he's in jail that's what happens when you say stuff like that um <laughs> oh Kathy's always taking care of Jace so but the point is what I want to do is just spend a little he's here hey <laughs> apparently he's back from jail I'm going to hear about that one later. <laughs> uh, I digress. So the the point is we want to kind of just, just slow down for a minute. We're working our way through the Gospel of Mark. We're going to talk about this section of Scripture that everybody points to. And we talk about end times. And prophetic issues and what's going on in our world. And what's happening with Russia and, and Syria and all the stuff that's going on. We're gonna We're going to work our way through all that stuff. And we're going to talk about all that stuff. But... I just want you to, before we get into all that stuff, to be thinking about it. What does the Bible say? Because the reality is some of our traditions have colored the text. And now we read the text and we just assume this is what that text says. Because when Jesus responds, he says there's going to be... Wars and rumors of wars, right? And there's going to be a nation will rise up against nation. And kingdom will rise up against kingdom. And about that time we take off and we start talking about all the wars that are going on in our world. But who is Jesus talking to? Four disciples sitting on the side of the Mount of Olives. Looking at the temple wondering when the temple is going to be destroyed. Right? Or not. I promise we're going to step on some traditional toes. Because we want to see what the Bible says. We don't want to be led astray just because that's how we always were taught. Or that's how we always thought it said. Or that's what we always were, were built. We just want to look at it and say, well, What is he saying in the order that he's saying it? What is he telling us? And we're going to look at them all. We're going to look at Matthew, Mark, and Luke, and John. We're going to look at all the all Olivet Discourse from them all. We're going to break it down. And by the end, you will be experts in the Olivet Discourse. So that... If somebody has something that they want to say about end times, you can say, well, listen, this is really what the Bible says. Here's what Jesus taught. And if somebody pulls something out of context, let me give you, uh, for instance, uh, blood moons. And they talk about it. Now, it, are there cool things that occurred during blood moons? Sure. Is that in the Bible? No. What's in the Bible? How many verses do you know? Did specifically deal with a blood moon? Two, I think. Two. So, and what were those talking about? Were they talking about what the book's talking about? Really, what the book did is say, hey, this is a cool concept. Now, let me tell you about all the things that have happened during blood moons. And then it veers off and goes down to its, it takes its trail and does its thing and sells the books. Right? Well, what's the truth? truth is what God's word tells us and and not allowing ourselves to be deceived or turned away or or swept down some trail because that's what's popular what does the word of God teach what's it telling us what is it telling us what does it say and then what is our what is the point what is the point a lot of times when when we come to eschatology and we talk about the end times Uh, People say, well, what's the difference? A lot. (laughs) A lot. Uh, What do you mean? Um, Well, let me say this. Your view of eschatology or end times is going to be your motivation for what you're going to do. How you're going to live your life. What you think about it. What you think about the return of Christ or what you think about... The Kingdom of God, or what you think about all those things, is going to uh, be that which charges you. That's what John tells us in First John chapter three. he's talking about these things, and he says, "But you know, everyone who has these thoughts within himself, everybody who holds on and knows that Jesus one day is coming, everybody who, who holds on to what's going on, he purifies himself. He, he wants to be ready. He wants to be doing the things that God wants him to do. He wants to be fulfilling those purposes. God doesn't tell us what's going to come. He didn't tell the disciples. He told the disciples that the, the, the temple is going to be destroyed. Everything in Judaism is going to change. And it's, it's not ever going to go back. Certainly not in their lifetimes, right? everything's going to radically change did he tell them that so that they would just quit did he tell them that so that they would sit on a mountain and dress in white and wait for jesus to come take them away what did he tell them that for he told them that to say man time is of the essence there are lost people out there do you believe that there are deceived people out there do you believe that there are people who are following false Christs out there and, and who will be offended when you try to tell them and you try to share that with them. And and all of those things, those are real, and those are actually happening. But why does he why does he tell us end times? He tells us to get us going. Hey guys, things are gonna get dicey. Have you paid attention in your world today? Sometime you ought to look at the at just the wars. Now, Wars, sometimes God uses wars as judgment. Sometimes God uses wars as this, that, or the other thing. But I'm going to say since 2003, there were five major conflicts around the world. And it holds at about five for quite a while. Uh, But let's just look at 2013 and 2014. 2013, instead of five conflicts, there were 23 major conflicts around the world. In 2014, there are 25 major conflicts around the world. Hundreds of thousands of people dying. Do you know what's been number one for the last several years? Syria. Yeah, they're killing people in Syria, right and left. Wiping them out every time they get a chance. And it's kind of this crazy thing, you know. I don't know, in the the midst of all this chaos... I don't know that I can ever get to Syria, but but God has saw fit, for whatever reason, good, bad, or ugly, to drop them in the middle of Twin Falls. Some of them didn't he? Well, for what purpose? Well, I don't know for sure, but I know I know the truth, and they don't, and they need to. The number one worst war zone for the last several years. You can look it up. Syria. Now Russia's in there. Oh wow. Russia is trying to support Assad and we're over here saying Russia shouldn't do it. And everybody's got their guns loaded and they're yelling at each other. Do you know what happens when that happens? Holy cow. We live in exciting times. Well, for what purpose? What's it all for? For us to throw up our hands and run and stick our heads in the sand? Well, what it did for the, for the disciples? It gave them an urgency to tell people about Christ. To tell people about Him. All authority has been given to me, Jesus said, in heaven and on earth. Go, therefore, and tell. Go. That's it, one job. One job. Sometimes it's going to cost us everything. Oh well. Sometimes it will. As God gives us that calling, as God gives us that direction, I just hope you hear the the words of Jesus looking at his disciples and saying, don't be deceived. One truth. Jesus said, I am the way, the what? And the life. No man comes to the Father except by... Yeah, that's it, one way one truth hold to it, know it and use it because that's going to change our world right? you can't do nothing about what our crazy president decides to do next you can't and if, I don't know if you watch any debates but all we got is crazy people running <laughs> unless unless one of you well, okay, so that might be a generalization but there's a couple of good guys, a couple of guys I like, but I won't tell you who they are. You figure it out on your shelf. But as we look at them, as we as we look at it, as I look at what's going on, it's like, okay, we have already had the Messiah. We don't need another one. We already have a King. We don't need another King. We just need to start doing things like the King said, and watch your world change. Right? Watch your neighborhood change. Watch things get better. Because we're applying the truth of God to life. And he said, if we won't be conformed into the image of the world, but we will be transformed to the image of his son, man, he will do amazing things. Amen? Amen. Why don't you stand with me, let's pray. Heavenly Father, Lord God, we just thank you for the opportunity we have, Lord, to come before you, to, uh, to just allow you to work and move. And God, I pray as we look at some prophetic issues in the next couple of weeks, and as we look at the all of it Discourse, and the things, Lord, that you taught, God, I just pray that we would be faithful to what the Word says. We would not complicate it just to, to, to appease our view, or we wouldn't hide from it just because... Now that's what it says god i pray that we would treat your word with respect and truthfulness and god as we do lord you would guard us you would guard us from from uh, deception yes. that we would be bereans lord don't just uh hear what's said and and believe it but god hear what's said receive it and then look in the word and see if it's true God we pray that you would be with us as we desire to truly be witnesses in a world sharing the truth what is true and that we would come to know him and, and hold fast to what is true God I pray that you would do a, a perfect and amazing work Lord God and I pray Lord Jesus if there's anybody here struggling with it struggling with the truth or or how we can know what we know, or why we believe like we believe, then Lord, I pray that they would just lay a hold of somebody and ask them. God, I pray that you would do an amazing work as we look to you, Father, to to change our world one moment at a time as we learn to love like Christ loved. And sometimes in Christ's love, he reached out and he wrapped his arms around the dirty and the filthy, and he said, I care about you, And sometimes He said, Woe to you, scribe and Pharisee. Whitewashed tombs full of dead men's bones. Sometimes He calls us to confront those who believe they have the truth when they don't. Sometimes He calls us to love on those that nobody wants to love on. But loving on somebody doesn't mean we just ignore sin. It just means we care enough. We care enough to get involved to try to reach out so God one life at a time one person at a time change our world as we follow you in obedience in Jesus name we pray Amen